0: Welcome to the Good Mother, Bad Women podcast, where we know how to be good mothers, but we might be bad women for different reasons. I'm your host, Stacia Caprice, a happy single mom of three girls. My youngest daughter has special needs. My blended family includes three daughters from three different dads, one divorced girl, nine living grandparents under my belt, Two girlfriends and one bonus mama who's married to one of the dads helping me raise my daughter. The Lord bless me with a part-time nanny and all 20 of us get along just fine. To those of us who are mothers, I think we love our kids just fine. But even though our kids are a big part of our lives, they're still only part of it, right? And that part of us that existed before and after kids, that woman inside is demanding to be heard without being labeled depressed or postpartum. Or a bad woman just because she did not disappear with her mommy job title. I'm not a doctor, coach, or psychologist. I'm just somebody navigating this life without the owner's manual, just like you. And today we want to get into our feelings and discuss why gentle parenting is emotionally abusive. girl listen I know what you're thinking but hear me out the concept of gentle parenting and raising an emotionally sound healthy human is a fantastic goal okay the moms who are like adamant practitioners claim that the goal is to foster mutually healthy relationships between mother and child and that is wonderful okay but if you're on social media girl you see so much like hilarious content of moms miraculously failing at gentle parenting right <laughs> I mean offering gentle gestures through clenched teeth and cussing politely at the kids with their best princess voices grass all this one girl on social she got eye level with her kid in her princess voice she was like are you fucking kidding mommy are you fucking kidding me right now (laughs) like because at that point sis just be who you are right because kids are going to be kids and the only takeaway for them is not going to be that mommy showed this incredible restraint it's going to be them going to the school and asking their teacher in their natural baby voice are you fucking kidding me (laughs) and then boom you still the worst parent ever right girl listen But if the ultimate goal of healthy parent-child relationships is that it would be mutual, then it has to be beneficial to both parties, right? This is true in business relationships, it's true in our romantic relationships, and it's certainly true in our parent-child relationships, right? So my argument is that this first generation of gentle parenting is emotionally abusive to the mama and not the kids. Okay, can we talk about it? (laughs) (laughs) Because, listen, one of the concepts that I think, you know, is pretty cool and maybe even obvious about life is that God and his laws of nature are somewhat systematic. Right. I mean, seasons change in a pattern without our help or permission. The water and the wind space respond to some type of system that exists without our help or permission. Amen. The law of gravity. Right. Can't be broken just because you choose not to follow it. The way we get pregnant, grow a baby, birth a baby is a system that happens without our help. And sometimes this is against our will. Just be honest. All right. (laughs) Our administration process, menopause, all of this is linked to some rules of nature that we don't control, but rather experience. Right. C.S. Lewis points out the fact that the laws of human nature are the only laws that humans have the choice to break or not right in his book mere christianity he was making the case that humans kind of naturally have this awareness of god or this sense of right and wrong this moral law that we can't see but we're always measuring ourselves against right and and so it's like my version of motherhood or marriage or love is better than yours because we're somehow closer to this unseen standard of what i believe is right in general not just for me right Because if I thought it was right or my truth only applied to me, then I would mind my business, right? People would mind their business. Like, I wouldn't care if you were a single mom or a lesbian mom or a third-time mom or whatever because love is love and motherhood is motherhood. But that is not how human beings are, right? We stay in each other's business trying to decide um, who is right and who is wrong. It's very interesting, right? He says the law of human nature tells you what human beings ought to do and do not, right? (laughs) Girl, that makes me laugh because there's actual... Bible verse that backs it up. It says the law only exists so that you would recognize what sin is, and we can preach about that later. But when it comes to the law of Mother Nature, that age-old question of, is a mother's nurturing natural, I think is infused and infected with a lot of opinion about what a mother ought to do that goes against some of the systems that are in place for a mother and child naturally. Amen? And I know I'm not the only one who thinks that. This is why gentle parenting can seem counterintuitive and often stressful, right? Because we are offering our child an emotion that their current behavior does not deserve. So the child is benefiting from grace and mercy, but the mother is stressed internally to deliver it. Amen. Systems in human nature rely on hierarchy, right? The parent is higher than the child for a reason. So trying to, you know, guide your reaction as a mother on the potential feelings or the future feelings of the child, right? In a way that makes you vulnerable to the child and not the reverse. Well, Stacia, that's what you're supposed to do for your children, right? You're supposed to live in their future, whether you're thinking about them emotionally or physically, right? And the answer is yes, but it's not our job to prevent them from experiencing the gamut of emotions that are present in their own life or teach them how to fight the different predators of life, whether they're lions or bears, by pretending the lions and bears don't exist, okay? There is a cause for rage. There is a time for anger. There is a cause for fighting and forgiveness and obedience. But if we don't allow those scenarios to exist in our home, when will we have the opportunity to teach them? We have to teach our children resilience come what may, right? Living in this, like, (laughs) emotional Disney world is not real life, right? Like, how old were you as a mom the first time you realized that no child has ever died from crying? Girl, listen. (laughs) Like, you know what? I'm trying to create a scenario for you that would prevent you from having this tantrum and meltdown that you're having right now. But since you insist... Go ahead. We're going to see if you pass away from this emotional roller coaster that your little self is on. Okay. I'm about to move on with my life and drink my coffee till you stop. Amen. <laughs> Look, girl, you might have to have two or three kids before you figure that one out. Okay. Girl, like I saw this meme that said gentle parenting works for gentle children. Okay. <laughs> right. Because apples don't fall far from trees. And if you and her father were these wild, loud, obnoxious trees, ain't no sense in trying to turn your baby apple into an orange at this point, mama. Okay. You need to let that go. But listen, uh, the, you know, the relationship between like mother and child is not mutually beneficial, especially if mommy guilt is what's motivating your gentle parenting. Right. Because the way moms handle You know, stressful situations is often through laughter as opposed to crying, not in response to humor. Amen. Right. It's through alcohol. It's through too much coffee. It's through drugs. It's through Adderall or vodka in our coffee mugs at the soccer game. And everybody knows. And we just laugh it off because, oh, it's motherhood and good for you. Do what you got to do to survive. Right. It's like one of the only times alcoholism is funny is when it's a mom using it as a coping mechanism to survive her children. Girl, they make movies about it, comedies about it, and everything. It's like socially excused in a way because we're all doing it, right? And if you're not doing it, you understand why she is. Amen? And then when the sober version of mom is depleted, hungover, addicted, or going through withdrawals because she has to face her unbalanced relationship systems, and she's frustrated about that, we just tell her what? Oh, you're depressed. Oh, your kid is seven, but maybe it's still postpartum. You know, or we tell her something completely irrelevant and unhelpful, such as, well... That's just what it means to be a mom. And if you didn't want kids, you should not have had them. Girl, what? <laughs> who are you telling? Shouldn't have had them. Listen, I'm raising three completely different human beings who at any given time have personality traits completely opposite of my own. Okay? Always an uphill battle at the house of me. I mean, And the thought of raising them every single hour for 18 years each is unfathomable, to be quite honest with you, right? Shoot, having to raise them every day for the next six months and having to do that twice a year is hard enough to process, okay? Talking about you shouldn't have had them, Lord Jesus. I had no idea what I was signing up for, okay? (laughs) And listen, we're certainly not here to diminish people who are struggling or stuck in a deep state of depression to the point where willing yourself out of it is just not an option, right? Or it's not enough. But to the rest of us, that usually is not a helpful diagnosis, okay? Everything that men or society or even some of the women don't understand about us is put in this category of, oh, you're just depressed or suffering from anxiety. That statement is usually dismissive as an untreatable condition, right? Just suffer until they grow up. They prescribe you medicine so you don't feel your feelings but don't do anything to cure where the feelings themselves are coming from, right? Does that make sense? My final question before we move on to the next point is, do you ever feel like our mother nature is constantly up against our manufactured nature, right? Our manufactured nature comes from what patriarchal society or patriarchal religion says a woman should be versus who we are naturally, right? And this is where that tension begins, right? This is where the tension between the good mother and the bad woman begins for most of us, right? As I think about and kind of develop what actually is the concept of the bad woman. When you think about manufacturing or the plant, the parts that come out bad are the ones that would not fit into the mold that was pressed upon them. Therefore, they cannot be used in the construct of the car that they're trying to build, okay? <laughs> right, because when you hear the word social construct, to construct something means to build it, right? When a house is under construction, it means the house did not exist naturally. It's something that you had to build. You had to make it, right? Right. So So when the federal government is still trying to decide how and when a woman can handle her body or deal with the death of a child when she is exclusively responsible for bringing life into the world, it's not a real estate construct. It is a social construct of how women ought to behave, of how she ought to live, right? And how we ought to relate to her as a society, right? Because it's not that we need a male chaperone or intervention when it comes to dealing with the life or death of our children, right? Because where are the men? When the women have to come together to console other women who have suffered miscarriages, stillbirths, at the hospital, at home, in their own bathroom. Huh? At eight weeks pregnant, at eight months pregnant. Right? Where are the men of the government after the mother has gone through a dilation and evacuation of her womb? Amen. Oh, honey, tell us where is the government after a mother carries a child for nine months successfully and that baby dies before she even leaves the hospital or dies in the crib a couple months later. Don't tell us women that we don't know how to handle the death of a child or can only do so on your terms. Ooh, honey, that's enough of that rabbit hole. OK, because I will go to there. But, li- <laughs> but listen, um, my second point is what if. The first generation of gentle parenting is not always motivated by healthy relationships with the child, but rather is a trauma response of the mother. Okay, let's talk quickly about the difference between suppression and repression, okay? So according to the doctors, repression is when the brain kind of unconsciously blocks out unwanted thoughts or impulses or memories, right? It just kind of blacks out, you don't remember it happened at all, where suppression is acknowledges an experience happen or can say an unpleasant instinct is present but I'm choosing to suppress it or press it down when it shows up internally you could say repression is a form of denial whereas suppression is a type of uh, self-awareness right I want to be careful not to use the word self-control because most of us understand self-control to be a good thing when in fact self-control can contribute to self-denial in an unhealthy way okay I mean, like um, you can control yourself or stop yourself from speaking up in situations where you probably should, whether it's at your job or in your relationship or in a you know, confrontational moment, right? You can suppress how you really feel and that would not be a beneficial form of self-control. Does that make sense? So navigating between repression and suppression is a type of motherhood regulation that we all manage internally, regardless of what happened to you in your life, right? You probably heard about You know, repression when people talk about traumatic events or things that actually happen to them where their brain just kind of treats the memory as if it never happened or blacks out at a certain point in the experience. Right. Suppression in motherhood kind of goes back to that dance of what we do versus what we ought to do or what we feel we ought to do. Right. I always think of suppression like like holding a beach ball underwater. Right. The beach ball doesn't want to be underwater. And the only way it's going to stay underwater is if you apply pressure against its resistance. Amen. And what happens when the pressure builds up? There's this big explosion and pop-up that would not have happened if you just allowed the ball to peacefully exist on top of the water where it belonged anyway. Amen. (laughs) So does the pressure build in a mother internally when her inner child is kind of playing dress up as an inner child mother, right? And we're forced to go on meeting the needs of our children When there are some critical needs of our own, not only unaddressed, but now intentionally ignored or suppressed by our own self, right? Out here trying to be a grown-up just because we got kids. (laughs) Lord Jesus. Motherhood is never about the child only, right? It's about the child's caregiver, right? I mean, you can have, girl, a brand new SUV, brand new car seats, four-wheel drive, you know, all the bells and whistles to, to safely take your child anywhere. However... The safety of the car is irrelevant if the driver herself is reckless. You see what I'm saying? Like if motherhood was a vehicle, then a child's experience in the vehicle is only part of her childhood. The rest of her childhood is based on the capability and capacity of the person driving the vehicle. If you were born to an emotionally unstable mother, then you can attest immediately to what I'm saying, right? So if we want it to be a little funny, you know, I, <laughs> I kind of laugh at the fact that a lot of my friends, black or white, uh, whatever race, you know, I grew up in a black household, but they call themselves first generation gentle parents because we let our kids get away with a lot more stuff, you know, than our parents allowed us to do. And that's not for no reason. Right. We feel like we were harshly treated growing up. We feel like we were victims of so much trauma and generational curses that we just decided, you know what? I'm not going to raise my kids like that. Mm and listen, you all know the term, when you know better, you do better. And so it's perfectly fine and almost expected that as a parent, you would either build on some concept that made you who you are today, or you would offer your child something a little bit different, or sometimes completely opposite version of the parenting that you received, right? I did a TikTok video about the gentle parenting tactic or belief that says children should have more of a voice, right? And as a mother, I certainly agree that children should have a voice and they should practice having opinions. And I give my kids lots of opportunity to talk back to me right more so than my parents allowed me to do but i explicitly said that having a voice is not the same thing as making the decisions right the hierarchy between parent and child are that children don't get to make the decisions especially not the ones that affect my day and my actual process amen Girl, I'll never forget. I went to a beach house one summer with a couple of my friends and our young kids and we had a couple of teenagers. But one of the ladies there was one of those ladies who is the mother of a toddler, but she also has a toddler grandchild. Right. Kind of started her family over again. And uh, I love her. she's great. But I remember it was the last day um, and we were all going to take our kids to the beach before we hit the road. But she asked her toddler, did he want to go to the beach or did he want to go home? And he was like four, okay? She intentionally told us, the adults, that she was allowing her son to make a decision because when she was a child, she felt like she didn't get a chance to make decisions, that every decision was made for her. So whatever, the little boy decided that he wanted to go home. Okay, fine. So we were going to the beach, and for whatever reason, she allowed her son to stop by the beach in his jeans and his tennis shoes with us before they got in the car to go home. And guess what happened when the child saw the beach and all of our kids swimming and having a good time? He wanted to stay and participate, right? (laughs) But at that point, the mom was irritated that her son wanted to make another decision. And now she was choosing to enforce the decision that he originally made, which honestly, I thought was unfair to do to a child, which was to give him not that type of power, but that type of responsibility to make that decision in the first place. Like he did not have the ability to make that comparative analysis between the pros and cons of spending the day at the beach versus going home where he had to be for the next couple months, right? He was not equipped based on her childhood trauma 50 years ago to make a decision that she as a mother was equipped to make for him right then and there. Right. And the fact that she did not allow him to make another choice to me was evident that that internal maternal system was snatching her back to reality because she was ready to go. (laughs) So now, you know, she is unwilling to let the child dictate her plans. But again, we're not talking shit because we all have been in that situation. Amen. Right. And so talking about ourselves, you know, we don't know why our moms and dads treated us the way that they did in the moment, but that was their right to do so to survive the days that they had to raise us, right? All of it wasn't wrong and all of it wasn't right. You've heard um, before that people said you and your siblings could have the same mom and dad, but still experience different parents, right? If you were the oldest or the middle child or the younger child, right? The way their tactics were applied affected each one of you, each one of us differently, And so it's true for our children as well, right? We can't be so hung up on right and wrong that because both of those things are so final, right? They denote the end of a story, which, honey, as long as you keep on living, is never the end, right? Only try again and again until it feels right or feels better the next time, right? God himself tells us the appropriate response to our failure or intentional misbehavior is to repent. The prefix re means again or to go back, right? He wants us to be sorrowful for our behavior and then go back and try it again. Ain't that good, right? Praise God. Listen, C.S. Lewis said, there's no such thing as right and wrong instincts, right? That includes our instincts, whether it's from rage to nurturing, um, saying that they are like keys of a piano. There are no right or wrong keys, but every key is right at some point and wrong at another. Our behavior, our mothering, our existence is more like a tune of a song than it is a right or wrong. Amen? (laughs) Because she's a poet. (laughs) So listen, Mama, I don't claim gentle parenting to be a potential form of emotional abuse as a means of shaming you into understanding something different about yourself, okay? But rather to highlight some of the challenges that you or I might experience that go unnoticed, right? Mothers are very much equipped and accustomed to pushing their way through unfavorable circumstances, girl, while carrying the heavy burdens of life. But we are not superheroes, as our families like to call us. So we can't stop ourselves from feeling the pain that carrying burdens brings. Amen? Listen, I'm not above you in the healing process, girl, but I do process my shit. So until next time, mama, I want you to be blessed. Do you. And know that your children are lucky to have you, okay? You can follow me in the meantime on TikTok and Instagram and the YouTube channel will be coming soon. If you have time to click and subscribe to the podcast, I would love to hear your comments and connect with you, sis.